John 10, 11 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money, doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Number one in your notes today, the good shepherd is good. Super good. Verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He's not a bad shepherd. He's not an indifferent shepherd. He's not a mediocre shepherd. He's a good shepherd. If Jesus truly was, I am who I am, the good shepherd, then he is the one that David wrote about in Psalm 23 when David uh, prayed out and said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. David knew the good shepherd. And how good is that? That's good. I've made a habit of telling my kids at night. Oftentimes I'll say, I love you. But God loves you a lot more than I do. Or I'll say... God is much better than me, much more patient, much more kind, more loving and more powerful. I tell them that he is their best friend. I tell them that I love them a lot, but that he loves them way more than I do. In Mark chapter six, verse 34, this is not up there. Um, Found this one after relaying the, the sermon notes. Jesus saw the great multitudes and he was filled with compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We're like sheep without a shepherd. We humans were ignorant, stubborn, rebellious bunch, but God loves us. Have you guys seen this video? (laughs) This This is a good one. This reminds me of myself and the good shepherd helping me out. I get myself in a bind, my sin and my mistakes, and, and then what do I do? <laughs> slow motion. Did we see slow motion yet? 
Here we go. <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> In Luke 15, verses 1 through 7, we see that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others safe in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. In Luke 19.10, it's recorded of Jesus saying about himself, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who are lost. (laughs) If your experience with Christianity or with Christians or with the church is that of condemnation, then you witnessed an inaccurate representation of who Jesus is, what he came to do. He came to seek and save the lost. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved save people from condemnation. Jesus is the good shepherd. How different is this perspective about the Savior than what many people perceive God to be like? God's desire is mercy and not sacrifice. He's full of compassion and loving kindness for sinful people like us. He pursues us with his goodness and unfailing love all the days of our life. Let's camp out here for just a minute. Think about this. It's not guilt or shame or condemnation that would cause us to repent. These things might cause us to hide, to lie, to blame, to play the victim. I guess a fear of judgment might cause a person to repent out of terror. But that would be motivated by a self-preoccupation rather than an actual appreciation for what is right and holy. No, it is actually the kindness and the goodness of God that makes true repentance possible. It allows us to change our mind, to turn from self-focus and self-reliance to a God-focus and a God-reliance. Satan seeks to condemn us, make us afraid, heap burdens upon us that we cannot bear, 
pushes and pressures us to perform while all the while accusing and condemning. Satan uses, abuses, undermines, and intimidates. His goal is that we hide from God or blame God. He is the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. And his mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus seeks to justify. He laid down his life for us to take away our crimes and our guilt. He seeks to give us new life and to lead us by his goodness into honesty and trust. Lead us by his loving kindness into pure motives, into faith, into hope, into love one for another. Do you see the difference? Satan attempts to burden us down. We burden ourselves down. We put pressure on ourselves, expectations upon ourselves that are unrealistic, unhealthy. But Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden that I give you is light. Positive behavioral change. Sustainable behavioral change. Happens as a byproduct. As we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. The Good Shepherd. We begin to change from the inside out. Our hearts are strengthened. And we are altered by the renewing of our mind. Maybe all you need this morning is greater revelations of God's love. For you to experience freedoms and blessings that he desires you to have. Godly conviction is quite different than Satan's condemnation. God's conviction is always coupled with something of hope. And so there might be godly sorrow when we are in sin, which is okay, but it's coupled when it's God's conviction, it's coupled with a desire for truth and honesty and forgiveness and hope and empowering. So it's vulnerability coupled with trustworthiness. Honesty coupled with forgiveness, training, nurturing, grace, promise. It leads to life. Satan likes to make us aware of our faults also, but only in sadistic terms. So as to discourage, disarm, disrupt God's plan for our lives. Romans 2, 4. The end of that verse says that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Do you not know, Paul is writing to the Romans, he says, do you not know that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? It's not his harshness. It's not his threats. David in the Old Testament, he understood this so well. In Psalms 18.35, look what he writes. He says, you've given, you've also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up and your gentleness has made me great. Wow. Wow. 
I want to say a word to those of us who've been Christians for a long time, like 10, 20, 40, 60 years. Many men and women, uh, we get busy with life and living for the Lord, and we can forget that God loves us. We forget. We forget how much he loves us. We have so many balls to keep in the air and responsibilities, and we're trying to live for the Lord because in our mind we know that he loves us, and of course God loves us, and Jesus loves me, this I know, but we don't feel or sense or recognize or really understand how much God loves us. This morning I want you to remember and know afresh that God loves you. He is our source and our identity we need to stay aware of his love each day. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 9, he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. And then he says, remain in my love. Right, right. That's where we need to camp out. Yeah. Just remain right there. <laughs> remain right there. Do you know that God loves you? Have you forgotten that God loves you? Is Jesus your shepherd this morning? Excuse me. Number two, little Bo Peep has lost her sheep. Famous nursery rhyme. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that nursery rhyme as a kid. If anyone's familiar with it, little Bo Peep was negligent. She fell asleep and lost her sheep. She went to look for them and found that all of their tails had been cut off. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what's the story. The nursery rhyme symbolizes a carelessness. Verse 12 in our main text of John 10 says, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't know, because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them, scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the lot, only for money, doesn't really care about the sheep. There are lots of leaders in the world, political leaders, spiritual leaders, but not all are trustworthy and credible. False prophets, false priests, false pastors were an issue in Bible times and still an issue today. Maybe you have been misled or taken advantage of or mistreated or abandoned by self-serving or naive or careless shepherds. Around 600 BC, the nation of Judah was a shell of its former glory. They had wandered far from God, were worshiping idols. Leadership was corrupt. Priests, prophets were compromised, self-seeking, using people, taking advantage of them. And that's when a priest, a good priest, Ezekiel, was given a prophecy from the Lord for the nation, nation of Israel, nation of Judah. And this is a long passage. There's two long passages here that we're going to look at. But as we read it, and as it's on a screen, I want you to identify what is going on and what God is saying. Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. 
You've not gone looking for those who've wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They've wandered through all the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies. I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and the sheep will no longer be their prey. <clears throat> A direct prophecy against the Jewish leaders of the day who were careless, who were shirking responsibility and using their position and their influence to take advantage of people rather than to nourish them. And that's sad if, that's, if you've experienced that in your life. Many people have become jaded to Christianity due to warped encounters with hired hands, self-serving, ignorant shepherds. But here's what comes next, and this is the other long passage. But look at it. Watch what the Lord says. Ezekiel 34, starting at verse 11 through 24. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on that dark, cloudy day. I will bring them back to their home, to their own land of Israel, from among the peoples and the nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where the people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures on the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak but I'll destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. And as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says to his people. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep from the goats. Isn't it enough for you to keep the best of the pastures for yourselves? Must you also trample them down? trample down the rest? Isn't it enough for you to drink clear water for yourselves? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Why must my flock eat what you have trampled down and drink what you have fouled? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will surely judge between the fat sheeps and the scrawny sheeps. For you fat sheep pushed and butted and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. So I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among the people. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
So that's, that's almost the entire chapter of Ezekiel 34. The hired hands were the Jewish leaders who were not doing anything right. The little bow peeps. And by the way, you can't not put 100% reliance in any person on earth. Or put someone on a pedestal, even a great pastor. You have to be careful not to do that. Only God is 100% reliable. Maybe you've looked up to someone, trusted someone, depended on someone who has let you down. A pastor or a leader or a friend or a spouse. And you had people check out on you when times got hard or difficult. They left. They were looking out for themselves and not you. You were left unprotected and hurt and alone. You just weren't valuable enough. You weren't worth it. You weren't good enough. Jesus is not a hired hand, and he's not careless. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is not a hired hand. Who in the world is as trustworthy as Jesus? Who would you rather trust than Jesus Christ? Do you sense his love for you this morning? Number three, have I experienced the great love of God? Our main passage, John 10, 14, says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. How does he know us? Jesus knows his own sheep. He knows us generally, and he knows us specifically. He's acquainted with the human experience. He knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, of suffering, acquainted with pain and deepest grief. Someone might say, God doesn't understand me. God doesn't know what I'm going through. He can't possibly relate. Yes, he can. God truly understands all the feelings of humanity, and he relates 100%. Look at Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help the angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Jesus does not just know us, does not just know the human experience. He knows you personally. The psalmist writes that that God knows the hairs on your head. He knows you better than you know yourself. I would say he knows you pretty well, and of course he does. God created the world through Jesus. He blueprinted us from the beginning and had a plan to redeem us all along from our certain selfish obstinance. Look at Ephesians 1. 4 through 5, even before God made the world, 
God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God was super excited to save us sheep. Jesus was super excited for the joy set before him, it says, he endured the cross. He was excited. He was on a mission to seek and save the lost. It's cool. My family, we had the chance of visiting the Veterans uh, Memorial in town, the new one that they just built, and seeing all the names and seeing all the plaques and those who fought for freedom for the United States of America. And a lot of the selfishness and the giving that took place there. It's a glimpse of what Jesus did. It's a glimpse. Jesus took the sin of the world. It says, I know my sheep and they know me. Who are those that belong to Christ? Only those with humble hearts. Only those who admit their sin and put their trust in the Savior. The proud and the self-righteous, they will not come to him but the honest and the poor in spirit will. They will hear his voice. John 10, 24 through 30. This is a cool passage. The people, a lot of the Pharisees were gathered around Jesus. The people surrounded him and asked, they put him on the spot. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, but you don't believe me. The proof is in the work that I do in my father's name, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for the father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my father's hand The Father and I are one. If Jesus is your good shepherd, you are in good hands with all state. (laughs) Not all state, not all state. You're safe and secure in the Father's hands, regardless of what the world throws at you. What is the worst that can happen to you? You can die and get a new, better body with the Lord in heaven and all the saints. Not everyone is his sheep. For many people, it is not an evidence issue, but it is a heart issue. Yes, there are those that simply need more information. They need to know about God. They need to be taught the things of God, his kingdom, his existence, his love. But there are other people that aren't interested in evidence. Evidence is available and overwhelmingly so to honest seekers but God does not force anyone to embrace truth or to love him. He does not override the human will that Chad was talking about today. Not everyone is his sheep. There are goats. Some claim to know God, claim to know the Father. They even talk about how they've prophesied in the Lord's name. They've cast out demons in his name. They've done wonders in his name, but they do not really know God. Christianity is something that they put on when convenient or for personal benefit or to gain recognition or popularity or promotion, but there's no relationship with the good shepherd. 
It's an act. Jesus says often and in various ways that if people do not know and recognize him as the Messiah, as the Savior, they do not know the Father either. They don't know God. It's interesting in in the passage that we just read, he ended with the Father and I are one. One. Look at John 1.18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus came to declare God. John 10, 15, just back to our main passage, he says, I know my sheep, my sheep know me. Verse 15, just as my Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. No one knows the Father like the Son. No one knows God apart from Jesus. It's not just knowing about him, but knowing him personally. Not saying this morning that a person cannot become aware of the powerful creator by looking at creation. Absolutely. People can become aware of the creator by looking at creation. Not saying that people do not recognize that they're accountable to a higher power. Most of us sense that, hey, I didn't make myself, and yet I have, you know, mind and body. I'm responsible probably to somebody, accountable to someone. Not saying that. God does reveal himself in general terms so that people are without excuse. And God has also given hints and prompts throughout history via the Jewish people, the Ten Commandments, prophecies, signs, wonders. But intimately, knowing who God is and what he is like, knowing his intent, knowing God's heart, his purpose, and our place in light of those things, that was a mystery until Christ came. Christ is what shines that information to us. John 6, 46, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Only Jesus has made him known. You want to see something really fascinating? This is pretty cool. In uh, Ezekiel 34, which we already read, when we hit verse 11, God starts saying that... um, we see that God says that he will shepherd his people. And I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but here's just a summary of kind of what we had read. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd. I will find my sheep, rescue them. I will bring them back home. I will feed them. I will give them good pasture land. I will myself will tend the sheep and give them a place to lie down, says the Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away. I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured, strengthen the weak. There's a lot of I and myself in that. God is going to do this himself is going to be the shepherd of humanity. God himself. But when we get to verses 23 and 24, the text says that my servant David will shepherd the sheep. It says, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken it. That's Old Testament. And that's a mystery. Scholars and scribes are saying, God's going to come. God's going to save us. But then, uh, is it God or is it David? who's, Who's the shepherd? Is it God or is it someone from David's bloodline? 
King David, or King David, his bloodline, ancestry. Which one is it? The mystery is solved in Jesus' claim that he is the good shepherd. He is both God, fully of God's spirit. Mary conceived of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Jesus had God's DNA spiritually. And he had David's DNA physically. 2 Corinthians 5.19, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Oh, man. Jesus, the God-man, holy without sin, only he could successfully lay down his life for the sheep, conquering sin and death, the grave. Only he has the power. Oh, listen to this. Jesus does not only have the desire to help you, but he also has the power to help you. Yeah. Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You can trust the good shepherd. Jesus came to save us and to call us into his fold, into his flock. You can depend upon his heart and his intentions and his ability. In him, there's no deception. There's no deficiencies. Losing is not in his vocabulary. He only wins all the time. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. If you have never experienced the great love of God, it is pursuing you today through the person of Jesus Christ through the work he accomplished on the cross and by his very spirit knocking at your heart's door this morning. And I'd be wrong to continue talking this morning without stopping to ask if you hear his voice. Do you hear the voice of Jesus today? His sheep hear his voice. If you hear his voice, do not delay, but entrust yourself to the good shepherd. Cast all your cares on Jesus this morning. He will forgive you of all your sin. He will wash you with his goodness and kindness. Let him feed you with grace and truth. He will nourish you, train you, strengthen you, teach you. He will fill you with his Holy Spirit. He will not stop until he comes again to receive you unto himself. That is what he will do if you say yes to the good shepherd. It is an awesome moment to come face to face with the lover of your soul, God. Nothing like it in all the world than to be adopted into God's family. If that's, if that's you today and you're saying yes to the good shepherd, Hey, welcome to the flock. It's awesome. Big celebration going on in heaven right now on your account. And uh, and we, your brother and sister sheep, we're really excited with you. Um, Pumped. Will you please let let, uh, someone know if you said yes to the Good Shepherd today? Uh, After the service, Pastor Bob will be up here. I'll be up here, maybe a few others. I uh, would love to hear from you, and if, if you can't today, at some time this week, can you let us know? We'd love to um, 
celebrate that with you and support you in your walk with the Good Shepherd and as brothers and sisters. So, Also, we have a lot of free resources out in the foyer. Um, what's your next step? That's a good one. Why Jesus? Just some more information on our Savior, our Messiah. Um, life in six words. Some great materials. Those are free. They're, we buy them for a reason. And it's to give them out. We want people to know more about Jesus. So, number four, uh, Jesus is counting sheep. He might, he might be counting some extra ones <clears throat> this morning. That's awesome. He's counting more sheep. <clears throat> we end uh, with verse 16, our main text, uh, verse 16, where Jesus says, I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold. And he's speaking of the Jewish people. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Indeed, Christ was to come first to the Jewish people in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. But Christ gives clear uh, foreshadowing through this verse and, and many places elsewhere that salvation is for all people. It was a promise given back to Abraham 2,000 years prior to Jesus' coming that through Abraham's seed, through his offspring, which was the tribe of Judah, was King David of Israel, and eventually was Jesus Christ, that all the nations would be blessed through him. Yeah. And that salvation has come to the whole world. He commissioned his disciples and us to the ends of the earth to spread his love to all nations. In uh, Matthew 28, 19, Mark 11, 17, Acts 1, 8. Finally, um, John 4, 23 through 26, we close with this. The time is coming, indeed it is here now. Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman, a half Jew at best. She'd been through five marriages and was living with, us, um, living with another man. He says, the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming and the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Yeah. We can be authentic with God and Jesus. And I don't know what kind of church or environment or non-church that you've grown up in, um, but people can be authentic in this room with the Lord. And um, as we close uh, this sacred gathering, I believe God wants us to be confident in his love this morning. I believe he wants you and I to have assurance of his intentions concerning us. Did you hear that? God wants us to have assurance of his intentions concerning us this morning. There are definite storms in life and things hit the fan, but we should never doubt the love and the faithfulness of our shepherd. He's not going anywhere. Let us draw near to him each day. What is God's spirit saying to you today?
Father, I pray that our hearts would grow confident in your love, that we would know you as you are. We thank you for your kindness and goodness toward us this morning and that we experienced through your scriptures, by your spirit. Let that love overflow into our relationships at home and in our community. We pray for revival in Mount Horb and the surrounding area, Lord, as more and more people see and understand the love of God poured out on them through the person of Jesus Christ. God, we commit ourselves anew into your loving care and under your gracious leadership. Thank you for being our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.